0: Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's open the Word of God to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, it's a beautiful day, and it's kind of uh, making us think of spring a little bit, right? We'll see if this spring-like weather holds out, (laughs) or whether we'll have another cold snap. I remember years ago, pastoring in Georgia... And I remember one of the old time saints coming up to me and saying, you know, make sure you don't plant anything yet. You wait till after Easter. I said, after Easter, how come? Not that I was going to plant anything, but (laughs) how come? And uh, he shared some words of wisdom with me. He said, you know, until Easter, we're always subject to another cold snap. And he said, if you plant something before then, it's likely to, to die. So uh, you might as well wait. <laughs> I said, well, hey, I'll keep that in mind. That's good to know. And uh, so, you know, that's just a little little tidbit, a little words of wisdom right there. And I've always appreciated being in church since a teenager and, and you know, just at times like that, you know, not that that was any, any great wisdom, but, but it was still good, good information. And I've always rejoiced when older saints of God have shared things with me as a younger person and uh you know i remember i remember one time we were in a men's prayer meeting on saturday night and our church was in a custom of doing that weekly and so our pastor led a men's prayer meeting and we were praying around the altar on saturday night and i remember it was my turn and i remember praying you know boy hebrews says we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find help in time of need and i remember praying and Praying for our ministries and praying for souls to be saved and just praying boldly. And after me, one of the oldest men in our church, it was his turn. And he started out so meekly. And he said, Lord, thank you for the privilege that we have to come boldly to the throne of grace. He said, but Lord, we want to come humbly. And he prayed such a quiet, humble prayer. And we had prayer meeting after that. I learned some things about prayer that night. And I thought, man, what a way to walk with God. I mean, you could just feel like you were in, almost in heaven while he was praying. And I thought, you know, that's good stuff. So you get around people that walk with God and you get around people that know some things. They've walked with God through their life. Hey, they've got some good information for you if you listen, if you listen. Isn't it good to have a fellowship like this? Isn't it good to spend time in church and walk with God? And isn't it good to rub shoulders with each other where we can learn from other people who are walking with God and doing great things? Those are great stories and just like our mission stories, you know, they they thrill our hearts because they they show us that there's there's a lot more to this Christian life than than just what we've experienced and it's exciting to know that. Today I want to hear from someone else's story in Genesis chapter 12. So if you found your place, we're going to stand and we're going to read a few verses this morning beginning in verse 1 and we're going to read about Abraham and Abraham is definitely in the category of one of those older saints of God, gone on before us by many years, but today we're going to hear his voice. We're going we're to follow in his footsteps. And I want to I ask you to walk with me as we walk behind our spiritual father in the faith, Abraham, and, and, and we're going to see some of his footprints. All right? So let's pray together, and we'll begin reading in verse 1. Father, how we love you this morning. How we thank you, Lord, for your precious word for the wonderful testimonies that are captured in the scriptures, that we might learn and grow by them. Lord, as I shared that story this morning uh, about being in prayer meeting with Brother Hill, who's in heaven now, Lord, I, I know that, that you put those people in my life and those, those mentoring moments when I was able to glean spiritually from men like that. Lord, I thank you for those privileges. Lord, I pray that As you give all of us those opportunities, I pray we would have ears to hear and hearts to receive what you have for us. And we ask in that way, Lord, that you'd bless our time in your word this morning so that we might hear and glean from the testimony of Abraham concerning this matter of faith and how we live our Christian lives. May this example be a great help to us. So teach us, speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name we ask, amen. Verse 1, Genesis chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed, as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sycamh, unto the plain of Mori, and the Canaanite was there in the, was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And, Abraham, uh, and Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt and sojourned there, for the famine was grievous. And I have read too far, all right? I meant to stop at verse 9, and uh, I'll read it again. Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. Amen. You say Abram was a southerner. Uh, This morning, I want to preach a message I've entitled simply this, Following in Abram's Footsteps. Following in Abraham's Footsteps. Thank you. You may be seated. What a great passage of Scripture. You know, in this church age, in the New Testament era, we we like to teach people the Word of God, especially those who are new in Christ, new to the faith. We always want to give them an example to follow and, and try to show them how to live this Christian life. Well, even though it's Old Testament and even though we may not have called what he lived a Christian life, we know that Abraham was the father of faith here in this text, his name being shortened to Abram. And we find that he set a great example, even one that we can use in our New Testament era. We would find that Abram's life here, his steps are encouraging enough for us to pattern and follow. And so I want us to look as... Uh, with eyes of faith at the life of Abram here to see what we can glean that would help us on our way as we travel following the Lord also. Isn't it interesting that the Lord came to Abram and said in verse 1, he said, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. He didn't even tell him where he was going. Just, just break away and, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. Interesting, isn't it? You know, as I've traveled around in ministry and gone from place to place, rubbed shoulders with a lot of people, even good people, people that are dedicated to the Lord, sold out. But I'm telling you, most of them would have had a very hard time with that command right there. What? Leave my hometown? Leave my father's house? Move away from my family? Oh, oh no. Oh, no, 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 no. Hey, Lord, anything but that. Right? You know, sometimes we just read over this stuff like it's just so easy. Hey, come on. Stop for a minute and think. Abraham's whole family was there. This was his father's house. This was where he grew up. His roots were there. His kindred, his kin, all of that stuff. And God is asking him, pull all that up and get on the move. We're going to leave this place. I'm going to tell you something. I've left several places traveling around in ministry. I've even left places I thought I was going to be there the rest of my life. You know what you do when you think you're going to be there the rest of your life, Brother John? You know what you do? You put your roots down deep. Hope and I even built our dream home, what was going to be our dream home. We left that because God said, "Um, I need you somewhere else and we left that. That was hard. Can I tell you something? Every time we've moved, it's been hard. It's always been hard to leave where you are. And so I don't want us to just skim over this this morning without noticing that Abram was facing a very tough decision. It seems like no decision at all. The Bible doesn't tell us that he agonized or anguished over it one bit. But I'm sure, being human, I'm sure he did. He didn't argue with God at all. We find Abraham was really surrendered. He understood the meaning of that word. Devotion, dedication, surrender, all of that. He had it. But the Bible says in verse 4, So Abram departed. He was already at a place in his Christian life where he said, yes, Lord. Now you just tell me what to do. The answer is yes. Whatever you want. Now you just fill in the marching orders and I'm doing it. So God said, okay, let's pack up. Wow. Hey, you know, do you know what that took? I hope you'll just factor in this morning as we look at Abram's testimony so we can grow in Christ. Look at where his heart was. Look what he already had in place. God was able to come and give him these things. Look what he said. Because of Abraham's heart, because of his willingness to uproot and move, because of his willingness to follow God, God already knew all that. He already knew Abraham was willing. He already knew he could give him any commandment and he would follow it. He already knew all of that. So look what he said in verse 2. Because of that, he said, I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee. And I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. Isn't that good? You know, I think often in the Christian life, isn't that the stuff we pray for? Man, we want to be a blessing. We want to be used of God. You know, we, we hear these missionary stories and we think, oh, yeah, I, 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 want, I want to be able to tell a story like that. I want God to do that with me. Okay. Are you willing to follow God like this? Are you willing to say, Lord, yes, whatever it is, I'll do it. You just tell me. Just tell me what it is. <clears throat> Since God loved us that much, and we know that because He gave His only Son on an old rugged cross 2,000 years ago, He died for our sin to pay an awful price that we couldn't pay so that we could be forgiven and have a home in heaven. Because he loved us enough to give it all. Shouldn't we love him enough to give it all? Abraham did. <clears throat> and he took God up on his word. And so, footstep number one, I want to show you what Abram did. He packed up his, his stuff and he set out on this great adventure with God You know, God said, I'm going to show you the place. He didn't even know where he was going yet. But the Bible says in verse 4, Abram departed, and as the Lord had spoken to him, Lot went with him. I want want you to see that he took God up on his word. And what does that mean to Abraham? It means, verse 2, I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, right? And thy name shall be great, excuse me, and thou shalt be a blessing. So here's what we find. Footprint number one, we find that, that Abraham... He was a blessing to others, right? So simply put, what's our instruction? What's our marching orders? Be a blessing. Be a blessing. As God gave those words to Abraham, don't you think Abraham had a desire to be a blessing, to bless others? And certainly if you love the Lord and want to be used of God in your life, then then that's something that resonates with you, doesn't it? To be a blessing to people that God might use you to be a blessing to those you come into contact with. That's something that that he appealed to Abraham with. He said, look, he said, and thou shalt be a blessing. Don't you want to be a blessing this morning? I don't know about you, but when I hear that expression, to be a blessing, I automatically start thinking about people that were a blessing to me. I start thinking, I remember people that I used to go to church with, you know, and you would just kind of look for their face. They were just encouraging. They were a blessing. You know, you know who I'm talking about? People that when they weren't there, church just wasn't the same. People that you can still hear their voice, right? Talking to you, giving some encouraging word. I know a guy that was a blessing in, where we went to college, and you'd just hear him every once in a while shout, Amen. And I thought, man, Brother Jody, remember? What a blessing and people were always calling him that cuz you know he was always smiling he was always talking about how good god is he was always saying amen to something the preacher said he was an encourager he was a blessing there are a lot of people like that i remember a bus captain that used to pick us up faithfully when i was a kid you know he was a blessing he worked hard if you ever worked in the, how many of y'all ever worked in the bus ministry You ever worked in the bus ministry do you know how hard that is Right, You spend hours and hours every Saturday, and then you spend hours and hours every Sunday picking up kids and bringing them to church and then taking them home. Man, you know what? <clears throat> very few, very seldom, very rare does anybody ever stop you and say, thank you for doing that. Thank you. I don't remember ever seeing anybody tell Brother Stanley, thank you for picking me up for church. So later as a teenager, after God called me to serve in ministry and I started understanding what it was all about, I went back to him and I said, hey, brother, I just want you to know, I don't know where all the other kids are you picked up, but I got saved and God's called me to the ministry and I just want you to know I'm here, I'm serving the Lord. Years later, after you did all that, thank you for picking me up on the bus. You know, you could have heard a pin drop as he just stared at me while I said that. I said, I just want you to know, brother, your labor was not in vain. I don't know where all those other kids are, but here's one. I'm still here. I'm still in church. I'm still serving. You know, be a blessing. How do you do that? Well, you can start with a smile. Smile at people. Hey, hey, here's something revolutionary. If you want to be a blessing, be nice. All you got to do is be nice. And you can be a blessing. You know, sometimes we think serving God has got to be something big, some difficult, some hard thing. And it can be, like moving away from your family, like God called Abraham to do. But you know, it starts with simple things, like just showing up. It starts with little things, like just smiling and shaking people's hand and and being nice. Just be nice. And if you're a Christian, hey, where you work, you might not be the best at what you do, but you ought to give your best. And you know what? You ought to be a pleasant person to be around because you know the Lord. You have hope beyond this life and any of the circumstances that are in it. We ought to be the best people to be around. Hey, listen, people ought to want us on their team. Not because we're the best player, but because we're the best to be around. They enjoy our company. Be a blessing. Be a blessing. You know, Abraham was just going to determine he was going to be a blessing. And God told him that. He said, come on, Abraham. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And you're going to be a blessing. Think about that. You want to be a blessing this morning? It starts by following the Lord. Be selfless. Be sincere. Be nice. Do kind things for people. The Bible says Jesus went about doing good. Yeah, he was one of those that was just a blessing. You know, you, you, can, uh, you, you can look through the Bible, and, and most of the people that are going to stand out in your mind from the stories of the Bible are people who, who were just a blessing. They decided to be a blessing. That's where it started. And then God used them. God can use you this morning. Start by being a blessing. That's footprint number one. But not only that, footprint number two. Abraham did something else you and I can learn from and grow from. We can copy this, and we can be better Christians ourselves by following his footsteps. Footprint number two in verse four and five. Bring someone with you. Notice what Abraham did. The Bible says, so Abram departed. As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. And all their substance they had gathered and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they came. So guess what? Bring your family with you. You know, growing in the Lord is a process. It's a journey. And, and as much as possible, as often as you can, you should strive to bring people with you in that journey. Bring your wife, your spouse, your kids, uh, your nephews, your cousins, your uncles, whoever you can find. Bring them with you. Isn't it really great when you think about this story? Isn't it, isn't it good? It's awesome that Abraham would, would bring Lot. He didn't have to do that. He could have said, no, no, no. Hey, Lot, look, you got a bunch of stuff. You got cattle, I got cattle. Look, this is going to be hard. Some of the places we're going to go, uh, it's going to be too much trying to feed and water all these together. No, you just stay here, buddy, and I'm going on to follow the Lord. He didn't do that. Because he understood the value of bringing Lot with him. Look, we're going on a journey for Jesus. We're going to grow in the Lord. And he said, it would be good for Lot to come and experience this and see this. Hey, I want to ask you this morning. Who could you bring to church? Who in your family or friends would you think of? It would be good for them to be here, to, to be taught the word of God and to grow in Christ. Who could you bring with you? That was the question. And so Abram brought Lot. He said, hey, man, come on. Hey, you want to go with me? We're going we're to go on a journey. Hey, where are you going? I don't know yet. But it's going to be good. God's leading me there. We're going to go. Hey, if you come, we'll go together. We'll help each other, and we'll do it at the same time. We'll, we'll just follow the Lord together. How about it, Lot? You want to go? And he talked him into it. He invited him. You know, I think some people would like to be invited. Who could you invite? Bring somebody with you on your journey to the Lord. Um, the Christian life is full of that. You know, the Bible tells us to win others, to win the lost, to witness uh, the Bible tells us to go out in the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. The Bible says that we should go teaching all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. And so, what does all that mean? It means bring somebody with you. It means walk someone through the steps of the Christian life, growing in the Lord, just like you have. Every time we have opportunity, we need to bring somebody with us. In the ministry of Christian mentorship, that's, that's the theme of all of that. That's what it's all about, bringing somebody with you learning how to encourage others to come with you. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus started his ministry, he brought some people with him, right? Twelve guys. He said, come on, guys, I want to show you some stuff. Isn't it great when Paul had his ministry, he brought with him some guys, probably more than 12, Timothy and Titus and Luke, and he named some of those people through all of you Go read the epistles. More people, you kind of lose count after a while. Greet this one and that one and tell this one to bring this and You know, bring Mark with thee. And like, whoa, he's got a lot of people. What is he doing? He's bringing people with him. He's bringing them along. He's encouraging them. Hey, come with me. Let's follow the Lord together. Bring in people with you. Footprint number one, be a blessing. Footprint number two, bring someone with you. Hey, the best people you can bring with you is your family. Start at home. And then branch out every chance you get. Bring people with you. But not only that, look at footprint number three. It's found in verse 7. The Bible says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. <clears throat> oh, here's the next footprint. Build an altar to the Lord. If you want to follow Abraham's footsteps, be a blessing and bring somebody with you. But don't miss this one. Hey, by all means, don't miss this one. Build an altar to the Lord. Now, what does that mean? The altar was the place where Abraham worshipped God. It was the place where he met with him. Now, we don't do sacrifices in our day, but, you know, we need to have a devotional life with God. We need to meet him and have a relationship with him. In our day and time, we do that through the word of God, not through a sacrifice or an offering. We spend time in his word instead. We get to know him this way. We pray. We spend time in prayer. So the altar is the place where you meet God in prayer. It's the place where you meet God in His Word. If you read the Bible like a newspaper and just check off some box saying, Oh, well, I did my stuff today. That's not the same as what Abraham was doing when he built an altar and he met the Lord there. We need to read the Bible like we're looking for treasure. Read the Bible like you're reading a letter from a friend. Or somebody said one time, like you're reading a love letter, right? You get those love letters, man, you don't read that just once, right? Time and time again. You're not trying just to understand what's on the lines, but what's between the lines. Hey, try doing that to your Bible. What was God really trying to say right here, right? And get into it, get deep into it, understand it. Come away with something, some nuggets of truth that God stirs your heart with. That's what it's all about. Hey, by the way, you know later on, Abraham and Lot are going to part ways. And you know the story, how, how that they get to a place where they make choices. And Abraham, being the more spiritual, gives Lot first choice because he's trying to solve a problem. Remember, their, their herdsmen were fighting with each other because they were having a hard time feeding and watering all their cattle because they had so many. And so Abraham was coming to make peace with Lot. Lot should have been doing that for Abraham, but he didn't. So Abraham stepped up and he went to make peace with Lot. And he said, hey, let's not fight. We're brethren. There should not be strife between us. So in an effort to solve that, Abraham said, hey, Lot, look, choose which way you want to go. And I'll go the other way because we need to spread out more. The land can't really hold us together because we have too many cattle. So he gave Lot that choice. Remember, Lot made a choice and then Abram made a choice. And God came to Abram and blessed him. But Lot ended up in destruction in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? What happened with that? Well, Lot saw it. He experienced it. He witnessed it. But he didn't do it. Lot never built an altar. He didn't have a place where he met God. You can say what you want to, but I'm going to tell you that is the reason why he made the wrong choice. The basis of his choice was fleshly and physical, and it was based on profit. He was motivated by gain materially, and he took no consideration in his choice for spiritual things. And that is what allowed him to be vulnerable and end up in the wrong place. Some people wake up in life and say, man, how did I get here? Well, if you're like Lot, maybe you got there because you made decisions without considering God. You didn't talk to him about it. You didn't get his counsel. You didn't get his advice. You didn't seek his word. You just got up one day and did what you wanted to do. And it may have led you to a place that made you vulnerable. The Bible says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death, the ways of destruction. Hey, you know, that's why we can't always follow our heart. That's why we can't always follow our feelings. We don't always know the right thing unless we stay close to God. Unless we use his word to guide us, we can get off track. Isn't it it wonderful that Abram, everywhere he went, look at verse 8. It says, and he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. Having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord. And he called upon the name of the Lord. Well, that expression is repeated several times. Abraham had a habit. He had a spiritual practice of meeting with God. He had a, he had a devotional life that was, we would say it was connected. He knew how to get a hold of God. And he he continuously sought the Lord for direction in his life. Now, Abraham's not perfect. You read the whole story. He made mistakes too, but his mistakes were different than Lot's mistake. And I think that's the reason. So I call this footprint number three. Build an altar to the Lord. Stay close to the Lord. Seek Him. Praise Him. Worship Him. Spend time with Him. You know, we get to know God by getting to know His Word. Because this book is... Something unique. We call it Revelation. I know there's a book in the Bible called Revelation, but I'm not talking about that. That book is describing the day when the Lord will appear and all the earth will see him and acknowledge him. But the revelation I'm talking about is the information that God has revealed to us about himself and about the world. And we call it revelation because without this book we we would have no way of knowing those things. This isn't just information from man, this is revelation from God. God told us some things about himself and about his creation that we wouldn't know otherwise. Things you can't determine in a laboratory. Right, But God revealed them to us. So we have knowledge of some things that we wouldn't know otherwise. That's revelation. God reveals himself to us through this book. So because of that, we have to get in the word of God in order to get close to God. That's why people say, uh, and you may have heard this, you, you, can't be, you can't be spiritual without being scriptural. Because we, we find the Lord through his word. You can't be spiritual without being scriptural. I said one time in a a Bible class, I said, you know, you probably are going to be, you know, the level of your Christian growth is probably going to be equivalent to what kind of student you were in school. Why? Well, because we learn about God from a book. That's why. And so it is sometimes much like academics We do have to study. We do have to read in order to get some of the things that God wants us to learn. And if we didn't have the discipline to do it then, we may not have the discipline to do it now, and that will affect our Christian lives. You know, what we need to learn is the habit that Abraham had of, of building an altar and meeting the Lord. Now, the way we say it nowadays is we say, have a good quiet time, have a good devotional life, read your Bible and pray every day. We talk about it like that. Because that's where we find the Lord. Oh, make no mistake about it. Abraham was serious about finding God and getting direction in his life. And over and over and over, he built an altar. He built an altar. He built an altar. He called upon God. And God blessed him for it. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, Wow, Pastor, you know, I'm really not in the habit of that. How, how How do I do that? Where do I build it at? Well, you don't have to seek some great site. You'll find Abraham, he just built an altar wherever he was. He picked a spot. That's where I'm going to meet God. And he did. You need to find a place where you can meet the Lord. You need to find a place where you can practice the habit of meeting God there. Footprint number three. But lastly, here's another one. Abraham was good at this, and it'll help you and me also if we follow in his footsteps. Footprint number four, believe God. Now you might say, preacher, isn't that, isn't that a little simplistic? Is that really a footprint? Is that really a step that we take? Yes, it is. Believing God is a choice that you have to make. For example, when you first open your Bible to the very first words, it says, in the beginning, God. Stop right there. Now you have to choose Do you believe in God or not? You know, that's really such an important decision. I'll tell you how important it is. It's going to determine what you do with the rest of the Bible. Because if you don't believe in God, there's no point in reading any further. God declares that He is. I'm not saying you shouldn't read any further. I'm just saying it's not going to benefit you if you don't have faith. The Bible talks about that actually in another place where Paul said the word did not profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in them that heard it. There are people everywhere that know the Bible. They can repeat verses back to you, but they don't believe a word of it. It doesn't do them any good, does it? You have to have faith, and Abraham did. He's the father of faith as we call it in the scriptures, and you and I have to make the choice to believe God. God said, Abram, come on out of your place, your country, your kindred, and I'm going to take you to a place where you're going to be a blessing. If he didn't believe God, he never would have went. I wonder today, I wonder how many of us are not acting on spiritual impulses and callings. We're not acting on God's directives because we really don't believe. We don't make the effort to witness or, or to work for the Lord because we don't think we can make a difference. Maybe we don't think God can use us like that, like these missionaries talked about. I want to I challenge you to put it to the test. Believe God and step out there and see what happens. Hey, God can use you. Let me show you a couple of verses, if you would. Turn to Romans chapter 4, where Paul, the apostle, writes using Abraham's testimony as an example to us. And he's writing about this matter of faith. And since Abraham is known as the father of faith, I thought it's such a good time for us here to, to take note of the way Abraham believed God and was willing to act on what God said. You know, this has a lot to do with how you and I grow in our Christian faith. Are we willing to act on what God said? And I'm telling you this morning, you will not be unless you believe it. You have to believe what God is saying in His Word in order to act on it. In Romans chapter 4, verse 3, the Bible says, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now, he's talking here about salvation. But Abraham's faith was not limited to his salvation experience. Abraham's faith was rooted in God, and so he believed him in everything he said. Not just about his future in heaven, all right, but also but directing him to this place. He said, I'll tell thee of. Hey, how many of you would take a trip not knowing what the destination was? Not knowing how, what it might cost you along the way? Not knowing how far away it might be or if you'll ever return again? I don't think most of us would sign up for that. Right? <laughs> but Abraham did because he believed God. He's referencing here our faith when it comes to salvation. And I've wondered, as I've pastored many churches through my time in ministry, how many of us as believers, how many of us believe God for salvation, but not much for anything after that? You know, isn't it interesting in in 2 Peter when he taught us how to grow in the Christian life? He said we're to add, right? We're add. Add these things. He gave us a list of eight qualities, starting with faith. Add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, and the list goes on. Why did he start with faith? Because our faith needs to grow also. We need to add to faith. Jesus talked about having little faith or or much faith or great faith. What kind of faith do you have? Do you only believe that God can save your soul and take you to heaven? Oh, but He can't really help you with finances. Or He can't really direct your life. Or He can't really help you find a spouse. Hey, I'm telling you, what you believe God, what you're willing to believe God about, will determine where you take action on His Word. And the reason why Abraham was willing in the first place to to pull up his roots and move is because he believed God more than just with his eternal destiny. More than just his his soul being in heaven one day. He trusted God with his life right now. Could we do that? Look at what the Bible says in verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for righteousness. Now I want to say this because we're, we're here on this subject. Everyone who is what we, would be, what we would call saved, everyone is saved the same way. Here Paul is in the New Testament church age. Paul is writing back in history about Abraham in the Old Testament era. But he's telling us that Abraham was saved just like you and I get saved, by putting our faith in the Lord. Notice verse 5, read it again. It says, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. Who's that? That's Jesus. Jesus justifies the ungodly, By applying the blood sacrifice he made to their sin account, which wipes it clean in the Father's eyes, and we then are declared just. Just as if I'd never sinned. That's how God sees us, under the blood of Christ. Wow, that's good, isn't it? If we can believe God for that, why can't we believe him with our direction in this life? with our decisions, with our devotions. Oh, we should, shouldn't we? Hey, let me say this morning, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, if you're not saved, there's no better time. And there's no better place. You're in the right place. Paul talked about how easy it is to get saved. Or let me say how simple it is. It's not easy. Just like, just like the decision for Abraham to uproot his family and move, that wasn't easy. It was simple, but not easy. You know salvation's like that. Salvation is simple. Look what Paul said. He said, verse 5, But to him that worketh not, in order to be saved, you know what you got to do? you got to stop believing the wrong stuff. you got to stop believing that you can be good enough to get to heaven. You've got to stop believing that your church can get you to heaven or some act like baptism or some good deed. You've got to stop believing that you can do enough good to outweigh the bad. Stop believing all that. You know why? None of that will save you. It says, to him that worketh not. There is nothing you can do to get yourself to heaven. You cannot save yourself. The Bible's very clear about that. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. Jesus did it all. Hebrews chapter 1, the Bible says, By himself he purged our sins with his own blood, and he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus, he he don't need your help. And if you want to be saved, it's simple. You, You just got to stop trying, and you got to come to Christ. And you have to fully accept what he did for you. And you have to start believing that Jesus' blood is the only payment for your sin that the Father will accept. And if you accept that payment and let, them, let Jesus apply it to your life, then the Father will accept you and see you as justified in heaven. And he will allow you in. It's the only way to get there. And that's what verse 5 is saying. Paul is telling us this is how Abraham got saved. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. He didn't say his work is counted for righteousness. He didn't say his life is counted for righteousness. He didn't say his church membership is counted for righteousness or his baptism. He said his faith is counted for righteousness. People in the Old Testament were saved by faith. They looked forward. All those sacrifices was a visual picture. It was an illustration of what Christ was going to do one day on the cross. The book of Hebrews tells us not one of those offerings took away any sin. Then why did they do it? They participated in God's plan of salvation. And every time they gave a sacrifice, they were saying by expression, of their deeds, I believe in God's plan. I'm trusting in God's plan. I'm going to be saved by the blood that God's going to offer. That's what they were doing. So those Old Testament saints were saved really by faith, not by their deeds. Now we're after the cross. Jesus died 2,000 years ago. Here we are in the church age in the New Testament era. We're looking back on what Jesus already did. History already recorded that Christ died for us. While we were yet sinners. And you know this morning all we have to do is believe in what he did. And allow him to cleanse us. Stop doing it ourselves or thinking we can. And start believing on him. It's simple. But it's not easy. People that have heard that message have said things like this. Wow preacher. Man if that's true. I've done the wrong thing my whole life. Okay, but now are you going to do the right thing? People have said, well, "Preacher, if that's true, man, that means my grandparents died and went to hell. They believed the wrong thing." I said, "Well, I'm sorry, I didn't know your grandparents, but I'm here to tell you the truth." If you want to meet Jesus in heaven, this is how you do it. This is what the Bible says. Now you just got to choose. Now that you know the truth, are you willing to do it God's way? Or are you still going to do it your way? Abraham was faced with those choices too. And I'm glad that he just chose to follow God. He said, God's way all the way. And he left us these footprints. Footprint number one, be a blessing. Footprint number two, bring someone with you. Footprint number three, build an altar to the Lord. And footprint number four, believe God. Christian, I'm challenging you to let your faith grow. Learn to believe God and trust what he said. Get in his word. Bring home those gold nuggets of truth and follow God. You'll be glad you did. I've never heard anybody say, oh, man, I should not have surrendered my life to the Lord. I've never heard anybody say that. But I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I would have. I've heard a lot of people say, I wish I'd have gotten church sooner. I wish I would have got saved sooner. I wish I would have listened sooner. I wish I would have married the right person. I wish I would have surrendered to God's call to the ministry. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. Whatever. On and on and on. I'm telling you. Many, many testimonies. I've heard it. And today, I don't want yours to be one of them. I hope you're encouraged today to follow in Abraham's footsteps. To believe God and give him your life. Follow the Lord. You'll be glad you did. Let's bow together in prayer. Father, how we thank you for your wonderful word. We thank you for stories and testimonies of people who lived just like us, the same passions, desires, Lord, the same creatures as we are. And yet they were willing to follow you sincerely, humbly. Lord, help us to do the same. Give us the faith to follow like Abraham did. May we decide that today. Lord, I'm going forward. I'm willing to follow you. Lord, if there's any here that are not saved, I pray today they'd be willing to come and put their faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has already done for them and stop trusting their own works and good deeds and be saved today. Lord, we'll thank you for all you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen.